millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Monday Night Raw post-show for Memorial Day, May 30th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue, unfortunately, on this Monday night, because WWE seemingly puts no effort into their shows. But I thank you guys for joining me on your Monday nights, wherever you may be, man. I don't know what happened tonight, man. I don't know what happened tonight. I have sources that tell me that Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon threw a barbecue earlier this afternoon, and apparently they never showed up for work, man, because Monday Night Raw was as bad as you would imagine it would be on Monday night. Bruce Prichard overstuffed himself with hot dogs. Apparently him and Vince McMahon had a hot dog eating contest. Bruce loves ketchup. On his hot dogs, man. You can tell that he's a fucking idiot just by that alone. He, he's fucked up just on that aspect alone, man. Vince McMahon, he likes his cheeseburger, man. Pickles on the side. Little macaroni salad thrown in there as well as a little side dish, man. A little appetizer right before his hamburger, man. They are stuck somewhere. I don't know where, where they are. I don't know where uh, they ended up after the barbecue. Maybe they drowned in a pool somewhere. Maybe somebody should go check on them, man. This show sucks. This show absolutely is fucking dreadful. I don't even know why WWE continues to have holiday shows if they basically put on a show that's not even worth the three hours of TV time that USA Network is paying for them to do. I don't get it. I don't really understand it, man. Oh, and by the way, and by the way, uh, everybody in WWE, somebody uh, get this to somebody, man. Uh, I love how professional WWE is, man. Wow, what a what a what a great fucking professional group of people WWE creative is, man. Didn't you guys advertise Lacey Evans now? Now don't get me wrong, man. I don't give a fuck about Lacey Evans not being on the show, man. It actually somehow remedied the show. Now I don't give a fuck about Lacey Evans, man. But yeah, Bruce, Bruce, yeah, you're a really professional guy, man. Wow. Well, man, advertising Lacey Evans for tonight's Memorial Day episode of Monday Night Raw, only for WWE to not deliver Lacey Evans, man. But Sasha Banks 
and Naomi are unprofessional because they let the WWE Universe down because WWE couldn't deliver a a main event, a six-pack challenge because Naomi and Sasha Banks walked out and justifiably so, man. Wow. Wow, man. You're a real professional, Bruce. You're a real professional, man. Why don't you shut your fucking mouth next time? Seriously, I don't want to hear another fucking peep about Sasha Banks and Naomi being unprofessional when WWE turns right around in three weeks and does the same fucking thing. Seriously. Now that that's out of my system, what happened on tonight's show, man? This show was so fucking bad that WWE started the show off with Becky Lynch. She looked like... I don't know what the fuck she looked like, man. It looks like she had fucking metallic feathers on her uh, on her outfit, man. I-, I-, I wasn't sure what I was looking at. Becky Lynch or one of Dr. Wiley's newest robots in Mega Man 19. I don't know what the fuck I was looking at, man. Holy shit. Talk about a Dr. Wiley creation in Mega Man. What the fuck was Becky Lynch wearing, man? Seemingly is a topic of every fucking post show. That I do on Monday night. What the fuck is Becky Lynch wearing? One week she comes out as Gollum. The next week she comes out as a fucking pirate. Now she wants to come out as a fucking Mega Man cosplay. I don't understand it, man. I don't understand that they start to show off with Becky Lynch. You know you're in for a rough ride right there. When Becky Lynch is out there with her ridiculous fucking haircut. They had the balls to go and throw a clip on the Titantron where we actually got a glimpse of the old Becky Lynch when she vacated the title to Oscar right before she went out because she was about to give birth that year. Man, oh man, do I miss the old Becky Lynch. I miss the old Becky Lynch, man. What the fuck has she deteriorated into? I don't get it. They think she looks good. She thinks she looks good the way that she is on TV right now. She thinks she sounds good. All the simps out there. Oh, man, what, what a promo by, uh, by Becky Lynch. What promo? Every time Becky Lynch speaks, my mute button fucking is pressed as hard as I press any button on my remote control, man. Every single time. Awful. Oscar's out there dancing around, fucking uh, speaking gibberish. And Bianca Belair, unfortunately, has to be lumped into this bullshit feud because WWE somehow thinks that this is going to make Bianca Belair into a credible women's champion. I don't see it. I don't see it. We got, and listen to this. This was the open of the show. WWE, they, man, they, uh, if they didn't have any fucking plans tonight, man, holy shit, you, you could have told yourself that by just watching the show. They ended the fucking show with Bobby Lashley and Omas and a contract signing with MVP for their Hell in a Cell match, not inside Hell in a Cell, but their Hell in a Cell pay-per-view match. That was the go-home segment on the go-home show for Monday Night Raw tonight. Bobby Lashley and Omas. Uh, Again, I don't get it. It's almost as if they didn't even try, man. Maybe Bruce is uh, drunk somewhere, man. Maybe he got drunk off... Uh, of a couple of them fucking hard seltzers, man. What do you like to drink, Bruce? You like Truly? You like White Claw? You like Mike's Hard Lemonade? What do you like, bro? I know you're a pussy. You probably drink all these fucking pussy female drinks. These Joey Janela drinks that you usually go after, man. What's your favorite beverage, man? What's your favorite flavor? Orange, lime, mango, 
Uh, how about them new uh, hard colas by Budweiser, man? What, what, what about those? You like those? He's somewhere. Vince McMahon is somewhere, man. I, I just don't know. What, what, what was tonight's show? Memorial Day. Why wasn't everybody out enjoying Memorial Day, man? I'm the only fucking retard uh, on YouTube covering uh, Monday Night Raw tonight. Why? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. This show sucks. I, uh, if I could pick one thing that happened on tonight's show that I absolutely love, it was the promo from Seth Rollins. Zima. I'm assuming, yes, you know what? I haven't had a Zima in, I don't even know if they even make Zima anymore, man. Vince and Bruce, Bruce especially, man, he looks like a Zima guy. Bruce Pritchard is a Zima guy, man. The best thing on this show was Seth Rollins' promo. Everything about that promo, man, I loved it. I really love that they added what he said. We'll go over what he said when we get to that portion of the show, but I love that they added what he said into, into the promo to really build that um, animosity between the two guys going into Hell in a Cell, man. I thought that was a nice touch. So WWE, when they do something right, when they do something right, they do it right, and I give them praise for it. Other than that, this show was a fucking complete abomination, man. Not even worth the goddamn paper that it was written on was Monday Night Raw. Tonight on USA Network, man. What a fucking disgrace. Holy shit. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me on Monday night. I'm still I'm still spent. I am exhausted. I didn't get to sleep till 4.45 in the morning. And then I woke up around 10 o'clock, 10.30, somewhere in between there. And then I got up and I took a little drive to uh, wherever I drove to today and had myself a nice cheeseburger, gourmet burger, fries, side of macaroni salad, side of coleslaw, a couple of pickles, an old-fashioned. And that was my afternoon, man. That was my afternoon. But I'm exhausted, man. Double or nothing took a lot out of not only me, but a lot in the community because of its extreme length at five hours. And on top of that, I worked myself into the grave yesterday, man. We did a three-hour OTS, episode 432. We did a two-hour, almost a two-hour Twitter Spaces last night as well. Uh, that was early in the afternoon, right around dinner time. And then we went live after Double or Nothing around 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'm very lucky that Jesse was with me, man, because if I was going to suffer watching five hours and then doing another two on a post-show, he was going to be right there with me, man. So we sucked it up. And he was uh, somewhat professional for the most part. But I thank him for joining me on the show. And we killed it, man. We were number one in the community again last night. And we broke that shit down. And you guys were rocking and rolling until 3 o'clock in the morning, man. 4 o'clock in the morning. You guys are fucking beasts. Seriously, I love you guys, man. Thank you so much for uh, making what I do a lot easier. So if you guys missed any of that stuff yesterday, man, it's all on the homepage. Go check it out. Double or nothing. Post show is live, off the script, 432 live. So make sure you guys go check that out. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys get those super chats in. You guys can tell me what you thought of this horrendous abomination known as Raw tonight on Memorial Day. Or you could just tell me what you did for Memorial Day, man. I might find that a little bit more entertaining. Let me know what you drank today, what you did. Did you go in the pool? Did, did you go in the ocean? Were you by a beach? What was your choice of uh, food today, man? Some Italian sausage, some chicken cutlet, man. What what happened? What, what did you guys make today? Burgers, hot dogs, chicken dogs. Well, what did you make, man? Chicken sausage, 
Baked potatoes. Well, what did you make today, man? You guys let me know. Sound off in the super chats. Also, become a channel member, man. Become an OTS VIP. Hit that join button down below and make sure you guys walk into that VIP section proud on the channel, man. Channel memberships open to everybody, so make sure you guys do that for me. It's a great way to support the show and what I do here. Hit that thumbs up as well, man. We got 2,000 in the venue right now and still filtering on in here. Only 556 likes. I need 1,000 minimum on today's OTS post show for Monday Night Raw. And make sure you guys go and check out my sponsor for today's show, man. Audible. AudibleTrial.com slash off the script. Make sure you guys do that. 30 days free of their service and one free audio book of your choice. Link is in the description down below. So make sure you guys go and do that. I want to thank Audible, as always, for sponsoring the show right here on Monday Night Raw. We start off Monday Night Raw with Becky Lynch. Unfortunately, Becky Lynch, she starts Monday Night Raw, made her way down to the ring. She looked like a a fucking metallic robot right out of Dr. Wiley's fucking laboratory. So we see these clips of Asuka and Becky And Bianca Belair, over the last two weeks, Lynch welcomed everybody to Monday Night Raw. Welcome to Monday Night Raw. Everybody's got to do the obligatory welcome to Raw. It's awful. It's cringe. I don't know why that's a thing. She said it's been a while since she's done that, and it feels good. Yes, I hope that I never see it again. She said she didn't feel like doing this when she didn't have her title. I feel like not watching you on television, and I don't need a title. Especially because so many of you prayed for my downfall. Lucky for me, I don't live for you. I live for me. And I live on spite and coffee. And right now, I'm feeling pretty fueled up, she says. I drink coffee during Monday Night Raw, man. At least two cups just to keep me fucking going. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be seeing me sit in this chair tonight, man. That's how bad this show is. She said some collect stamps or friends... But she collects enemies. It's like Becky Lynch is living in the 19 fucking 20s, man. Does anybody still collect stamps? Seriously. I'd love to know, man. I listen to this and I'm like, what the fuck is she talking about, man? I understand Pokemon cards or baseball cards or something that people do na- action figures or something along those lines. But stamps? Who the fuck wrote? Did Vince McMahon write this promo? Because I can see Vince McMahon fucking thinking that people still collect fucking stamps. My God. She said, some people collect stamps or friends. She collects enemies. She said she's going to keep collecting them as she rises to the top. My little hobbitses. She said she knows she's on track to regain her title at Hell in a Cell. Of course you are. You put over Oscar one week and everybody was like, oh my God, Becky Lynch loves the division. She put over Oscar. Look at so look at look at what she did for Oscar, man. She did so good for Oscar. Meanwhile, the following week, she took that right back and entered herself to the triple threat match. So how does Becky Lynch give a shit about Oscar after that one? She doesn't. She doesn't. Becky said she knows odds are stacked against her, but she's never s- stepped away from a challenge like that before. She said she defies convention. And she narrated, narrated some photos from Money in the Bank two years ago when Oscar won Money in the Bank on top of WWE headquarters because of the pandemic. When I went off to create life like the God I am, I generously gave Oscar the greatest gift of her career. 
I handed her my title. Then she said she had a plan because even then she had a plan because she knew Asuka was the best, but she knew she could beat Asuka. She said she realizes now that she created a selfish, entitled monster. I find this hilarious, man. I really find this hilarious. It's almost as if Becky Lynch is looking into the mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. How can I bullshit the WWE universe after all? Becky Lynch legitimately said that she created a monster in Asuka, a selfish, entitled monster in Asuka. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here to tell you and all 2,100 people still in this chat right now that what Becky Lynch is talking about is actually herself. Becky Lynch created the monster, the selfish monster, that she is right now. And that's all Becky Lynch is because she couldn't give two shits about the WWE Raw women's division or putting anybody in its division over. So Asuka came down to the ring and she danced her way to the ring and she opened her mouth and I love Asuka. Believe me, I love Asuka. I think Asuka's a phenomenal wrestler. But my God, man, she is so cartoonish. It is to a point where it is nauseating to even look at and cringe to even watch. She dances to the ring. She gets in the ring. She calls Becky Lynch a big-time baby. She starts yelling in Japanese. Becky tried to interrupt. But Asuka is yelling in Japanese. Becky took exception to Asuka saying she's going to be champion after Sunday. And all of a sudden, Bianca Belair's music hits, and she walks out. Typical WWE segment here. One person in the ring cutting a promo, interrupted by somebody else, and their theme music going off. That person gets in the ring, cuts a promo. Then the third comes out. Their theme music hits. They get in the ring, and they cut a promo on the two women already in the ring. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this cut and fucking copy and paste bullshit, Bruce. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. You've been writing the same fucking show with the same format for the last 30 fucking years, man. Holy shit, does this shit suck. Bianca Belair is in the ring. Belair said they're complaining way too much. She said she doesn't even have to get pinned to lose her title on Sunday. Wow, Bianca, thank you. Thank you, Bianca. My God, man, I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with myself if I didn't understand the ruling of this triple threat match going into Sunday, man. Wow, I never knew the ruling of a triple threat match that you didn't have to be pinned to lose the championship. Wow, man, what a fucking revelation tonight, man. I didn't know. Thank you for telling me what I already knew, Bruce. As of the fucking fans, maybe they are. They're fucking e-drones. Maybe they don't know the fucking rules. Thank you for telling me the rules of a basic triple threat match, Bruce Pritchard. I don't know what I'd do without you. She talked and talked and talked. She said her belt isn't going anywhere, blah, blah, blah. She plans to drop Becky like she did at WrestleMania. Becky then popped Belair in the mouth with a right hand. Asuka attacked Lynch. And Belair joined in beating on Lynch, but also yanked Asuka away. Asuka didn't like that. And Belair and Asuka argued, and Becky went after them. Belair uh, gave her a KOD-style drop over the top rope. Asuka gave her a hip attack, knocking her to the floor. And Becky Lynch was taken out of the equation for now. Uh, but all that means is she got up and walked over to the commentary table, and we unfortunately had to hear the glass-fucking-shattering voice on commentary of Becky Lynch as we get Bianca Belair and Asuka 
to open Monday Night Raw. Did they get more than four minutes? Yes, they got more than four minutes. This match went about 13 minutes. So WWE obviously giving them a redo because when they met last time, they got four minutes and the match, ding, 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 started at 9.55. Typical WWE main event. So we got this match. The match with Belair and Asuka, man, was fine for a TV match. And like I said, when they had that five-minute affair uh, a couple of weeks back, Asuka and Bianca Belair could honestly be a match of the night if you give them anywhere close to what they need to do in that ring on any given night. It could be match of the night no matter where you put them, and you gave them five minutes. They are very good together. And it was a first-time match for Bianca Belair and Asuka, but... WWE really isn't treating it as anything special. And that's their fucking problem. They don't really treat anything as special. So they had a great match. And a lot of people say, oh, JD's AEW shill. He gives no credit to WWE. Blah, 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 blah. I hear the same thing every fucking day I open my eyes to wake up, man. People just don't understand and listen to what I have to say. They don't listen. When WWE does something good, I let you know. When they do something bad, which is 98% of the fucking time... I let you know. I don't want to talk about 98% bad. I wish everything was good. I wish everything was pretty much down the middle and I could be very fair. I am fair. But most of the time, my negativity is because WWE shows are fucking terrible. And that is me being honest and fair. If you don't like that, then you have the fucking problem, man. It's not my problem. This was good. This was a very good match. I like to see these women go a little bit longer, one-on-one, with a little bit more of an importance behind it, okay? So we got them in the ring. They wrestled back and forth, knocking each other out of the ring. We got a commercial break, obviously. Typical WWE. Oscar hits a German suplex, running hip attack. Belair got Oscar up for the KOD, but she slipped out of it. Oscar sold it like she hurt her leg on the fall. And Becky Lynch mocked her on commentary and called her a baby. She called Oscar a baby. Belair went after her, but Oscar caught her with a knee strike, and she went for a cover after the knee strike and only got a two count. Belair countered an Oscar lock attempt, hit a glam slam on Oscar. Oscar tried a cradle, but Belair countered into a cradle of her own, and she wins the match via pinfall. Sloppy looking cradle, but Bianca Belair gets the pinfall over Oscar. Becky Lynch immediately jumped off the commentary table, ran into the ring, and laid out both women. She gave the manhandle slam to Bianca Belair as she stood tall in the ring here on Monday Night Raw. So clearly, if Bruce Prichard writes Pro Wrestling 101 that you'll see on sale in the bargain bin for 99 cents at Barnes & Noble, what you watched tonight was Becky Lynch not winning the title yet. What you watched tonight was WWE setting up a triple threat match going into the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view because WWE certainly doesn't want to give Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch away, uh, especially now at Hell in a Cell. I don't know when they're going to do it. They moved. They moved from the Allegiant Stadium Money in the Bank show to the MGM Grand in the more intimate setting. <laughs> oh, man, WWE is having problems selling tickets in Las Vegas, man, on a major national holiday. You know who just had a pay-per-view last night on a major national holiday weekend, man? It sold out the T-Mobile Arena in about six minutes, man. You know who it was, man? It was Tony Khan. Tony Khan and AEW, man, WWE, man. Holy shit, man. In the mud, as usual, man. You love to see it. You love to see it, man. 
Wow, man. Yeah, Bruce, you're really fucking, you're really riding high, man. You're really doing a good job over there, man. If you wrote better fucking television instead of giving me fucking garbage every week, maybe you'd sell out. Money in the bank, man. You love to see it, though. Anyway, what I was trying to say before I got on my, uh, my little rant there, what we have here is a triple threat match because WWE is not going to give Becky Lynch, and Becky Lynch, by the way, let me, let me reiterate this, Becky Lynch does not want to wrestle anybody unless it's at a stadium show. She wants to wrestle for the championship in a major stadium show. So whenever she gets her championship match, it will be at SummerSlam. I don't know how we get there. I don't really give a shit how we get there, but that's just the way that it's going to happen. So what you're going to watch on Sunday at Hell in a Cell is Becky Lynch versus Asuka versus Bianca Belair, and you're going to watch Asuka take the pinfall loss. Bianca Belair is going to retain her title. We may get Bianca Belair and Asuka at some point for the title, but what WWE was planning to do is do the major stadium shows with Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch, and if we go and do that again... I don't really understand why that needs to be because you just put the title on Bianca Belair. What is the point of doing all that for Bianca Belair, supposedly building Bianca Belair up for Bianca to take the title from Becky at WrestleMania only for Bianca to lose the title back to Becky at SummerSlam? I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not the case at all. Bianca Belair should beat Becky Lynch at SummerSlam because that was the start of the Bianca Belair downfall in 26 seconds. I think that would probably be a little bit better. But we've already seen this at WrestleMania. She got her revenge at WrestleMania. No need to do it again. This is WWE's lack of creativity. And this is the power that Becky Lynch holds over the division, man. She's slowly but surely becoming Charlotte Flair on Monday night. WWE bends over backwards for Becky Lynch, just like they do for Charlotte Flair on Friday night. And that's what you're watching on Monday. And it's fucking nauseating. It is something that handcuffs the division. Meanwhile, I'd love to see Liv Morgan. I'd love to see Rhea Ripley. I'd love to see anybody, anybody get an opportunity, but the usuals, man. Bailey, I'd love to see Bailey come back and get an opportunity, but it's always the same cast of characters, and it's fucking boring. It really is. We got a six-man tag team match. Six-man tag team match. This is Ezekiel. And Ray and Dominic Mysterio, Booyaka, Booyaka, 619. Booyaka, Booyaka, Ray and Dominic Mysterio. They're teaming with Ezekiel against Kevin Owens and Chad Gable and Otis. Alpha Academy. Now, I don't really understand this logic. Like I said, maybe Bruce Pritchard fell into a pool somewhere, man, and, and, and nobody's heard from him since. I don't know. I don't know, maybe he got drunk off of uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade somewhere and passed out in the bush behind his house. Man, I, I, don't, I don't know. But, but clearly somebody missed the memo here. Clearly somebody missed the memo. Why is Ray, and I know most of you are probably asking the same thing, JD, why is Ray in this match? Why is Dominic in this match? I wish I could give you the answer, guys. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Ray and Dominic Mysterio feuding with Veer Mahan? Why are they embroiled now with Kevin Owens and Ezekiel? I don't really understand the logic here. Veer Mahan was conspicuous by his absence. Maybe he went somewhere for Memorial Day and asked for the day off. I don't really understand why he wasn't in this match and in this six-man tag, teaming with, uh, teaming with uh, Chad Gable and Otis. I don't get it. 
Where's Veer? When Ray and Dominic Mysterio are feuding with Veer Mahan. Maybe WWE dropped the feud. I have no idea. But Ray and Dominic were in this match. No reason was given. No, uh, no sighting of Veer. No mention of Veer. So the heels worked over Dominic, obviously. He's there to take the brunt of the offense. The heels worked over Dominic until Ezekiel made the hot tag. He handed out big stinger splashes to Gable and Owens before giving Gable a spinning powerbomb. Otis broke up the cover, so Dominic tried hitting him with a high cross. Otis caught Dominic easily, and Ray took him down with a seated senton, which looked brutal, man. So Otis really sold that seated senton by Rey Mysterio. Owens, he then got head-scissored into into the ropes, and he avoided a 619 and tried a super kick, but Ray ducked, and Gable got super kicked instead inadvertently. And the Mysterios gave Gable a double 619 before Ezekiel hit his finisher, which looked like a very sloppy-looking spinning suplex into a brain buster. And that was it for the win. Owens started clearing the announce desk on the outside in frustration. And he was upset, throwing a fit in front of Jimmy Smith and Byron Saxton and Corey Graves. And that was pretty much it. Trying to sell his match and his frustration going into Hell in a Cell because he has a one-on-one match scheduled Sunday against Ezekiel. Ask me if I care. The answer would quickly and swiftly be no. I don't give a shit. I I am so over this feud. I'm so over this Ezekiel shit. WWE clearly doesn't have an end in sight. I don't know how they could fucking have an end in sight. Every time they mention Ezekiel, they mention Elias. You're not going to get Elias. Elias is dead. And Ezekiel and Kevin Owens, I I just can't bring myself to care. Like I said last week, man. Like I said last week, the first two weeks were fucking funny and entertaining, and Kevin Owens did the best with shit. He tried to turn chicken shit into chicken salad, man, and apparently he is great at what he does, but he was unable to really captivate us and really keep our interest with his Ezekiel shit, man. This shit sucks, and I can't wait for this shit to be over. I really can't wait for it to be over because I can't understand how anybody can bring themselves to fucking care about Ezekiel, man. Elias was boring, And Ezekiel is even more boring on Monday night. We got a recap of Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes, man. Welcome to the best part of Monday Night Raw. This was easily, by far and away, the best part of Monday Night Raw. So Cody comes out. WWE blows their budget on pyro for Cody Rhodes every Monday night. Cody is out there. He's got these big Cody chants in Des Moines, Iowa, Seth Rollins' hometown. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
And he says, I have always been a fan of Seth Rollins. He always saw potential in him doing great things. He said one of his teachers down in NXT saw the same thing. He said that person raised him. And we got scattered chance in Des Moines of Dusty. Dusty. Legit shoot, folks. Cody is shooting from the hip. He said Seth has lived up to the hype. He said he was nervous about facing Seth at WrestleMania because after everything he's done and everywhere he's been, he couldn't return to WWE and lose. He said he won at WrestleMania. He said he won at WrestleMania Backlash. I was the better man, and it has driven Seth Rollins into madness, he said. He said, envy is the act of counting other people's blessings while ignoring your own, and jealousy leads to men being, uh, being desperate and going through desperate measures. He said, Seth is an egomaniac who wants everything for himself. He said, that's part of what makes Seth so dangerous. He said, on Sunday at Hell in a Cell, he'll walk into the biggest challenge of his entire career, and he needs Seth to hear him and feel what he's going to say next. He said, all of the reverence he has for Seth and every ounce of his self-control will be locked outside of the cell. He said he will be locked inside with a man who wants to hurt him very badly. Seth Rollins' music hits, and he walks out through the concourse in the crowd. Seth Rollins says, I'll keep it simple. I don't like you, and I don't want you here. I don't want you in WWE. He said he tried to accept this new version of Cody, but every week the pandering got worse and worse, and the Cody chants got louder and louder. He said all that he hears in his sleep now is Cody, Cody, the Cody chants. I can't stand it anymore, he says. Seth, with an AEW reference, said this next. You left WWE six years ago because you weren't good enough. And then every single day that you were gone, you and your little friends tried to tear down what I was building here. And I find it very funny how there were no AEW chants in the crowd, man. It's either there were chants. I'd love to know if anybody was in the Monday Night Raw crowd tonight watching this show. Or reach out to me on social media that there were no AEW chants when Seth Rollins said what he said here. People can't be that misinformed and that blind, and and they can't be that sheltered. I'm surprised that there were no AEW chants. If there were, I'm sure they were dumbed down immediately by Kevin Dunn in the production truck. Every single day that you were gone, you and your little friends tried to tear down what I was building here. Obviously, mentioning without mentioning AEW. He said, then the prodigal son returned home to fulfill his family legacy. Not on my watch, pal. He said he doesn't get to be the conquering hero in his kingdom and take a sledgehammer to the throne and then try to take the throne from him. He said he's going to prey on his insecurities. He said he will not change Cody. He will end him. Then we can all wake up from this American nightmare. He started laughing and danced in this Seth Rollins obnoxious heel type of way. Before I get into how the segment ended, which was very good, I don't know who wrote this promo. I'd love to know. I don't have any inside sources or inside scoops. 
Maybe it's uh, leaked somewhere during the week on one of the dirt sheets. I'd love to know who wrote this promo. I'd love to know if Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes sat down together and wrote this promo. I'd love to know if one of the writers wrote this promo. Bruce Pritchard is not that intelligent to write this fucking promo. Uh, I don't think there would be any reference of anything or anywhere Cody used to be or where he used to work. That's too, uh, that's too outside of WWE's bubble for Bruce Pritchard. I'd love to know who wrote the promo, man, because whatever they did here and the fuel that they added to the Rollins intensity by mentioning AEW and the fact that they mentioned AEW as a place where Cody used to work without, without mentioning it, and they mentioned the throne being destroyed, and they mentioned his little friends starting up a company, taking food and money off of his table and trying to tear down what we built here. All of that aimed towards Cody Rhodes was brilliant. And that's the type of shit I want to see. You can imagine. I just want you guys to visualize this, man. You can imagine. And this is why I'm so excited for it when it does inevitably happen. If Seth Rollins is mentioning this now, and it's great in this feud with Rollins, which Cody will conquer Rollins on Sunday, you can imagine what this is going to be like when Cody's in the ring with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. I swear to God, man, that is going to be television, that WWE. You know, I don't know how you could fuck that up. And WWE television, man, in a very, very, very rare instance, would I say ever WWE's must-see television. When Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman are on television cutting a promo back and forth between each other, man, for the 15 minutes that those guys are in the ring, it will be stop what you're doing, watch these men do what they do best, must-see television. If Rollins is this good during this feud, you can imagine what it's going to be escalated to when Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman get into it with Cody Rhodes over the WWE Championship. Because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. And again, this is WrestleMania was April 2nd. Cody wrestled April 2nd for the first time in six years in WWE, man. It is now May 30th. May 31st now, being that it just went past midnight on Monday night, Tuesday morning. Gotta give WWE credit. Cody Rhodes is still Cody Rhodes. There is still some semblance of Cody Rhodes that we all loved uh, there on WWE television. Taking him for AEW and putting him on WWE television. I haven't changed a fucking thing about Cody Rhodes. Got to give them their, uh, their, their deuce. They booked him great. Now all we need on Sunday is Cody to beat Seth Rollins for the third and final time and go perfect in this string of matches with Seth Rollins. This was great. Every bit of this was great. Seth killed it. Seth is doing the best work of his career, bar none. It is such a polar opposite from his wife, man. Seth is doing the best work of his career, and his wife is doing the worst work of her career. It's just very bizarre to me. This was great. I loved everything about this, man. This was so fucking good. Cody then asked Seth, what is stopping him? These three little ropes in this barricade? He said, why are we waiting? The time for talk is over. Cody told him to come to the ring. Cody took off his suit jacket. Seth T's climbing over the barricade and walking down the aisle and stopped before he jumped over the barricade and left and said, nope, I'll see you on Sunday. Cody then chased Seth and they brawled in the crowd where there were seated uh, fans in the first couple of rows. Brawled there and Cody tackled Seth through the ringside barricade back to the ringside area Mounted him and punched away at him with some ground and pound. Bunch of WWE officials ran out and they pulled them apart 
And this was a big, big brawl, man. They stopped it, then they got back together and converged again. Stopped it, pulled them apart, and they got back together. And they started beating the shit out of each other, man. Really, really good stuff. It is very generic of WWE. We, I'm, I'm sure we saw this last year with whoever was in the major Hell in a Cell matches. I'm sure this is uh, something that we've seen over and over and over again for WWE to sell Hell in a Cell. It was generic, but the promo itself was a lot better than the brawl. Man, the brawl was just stereotypical, everyday WWE bullshit. But the promo itself here was fucking fantastic. If WWE, and this will be the main event of the show on Sunday night. Bar none, this is the main event of the show. If this is going to main event like I know it is, and like I think it is, you give these guys every bit of leeway. You guys need to give Cody and Seth every bit of freedom to do what they need to do on Sunday night in that main event. WWE has brought Cody Rhodes in to make their main event scene feel like it hasn't felt in 20 fucking years. Cody Rhodes is the answer to all of your problems right now as far as main event in WWE. This is the man that's going to bring main event level matches back to WWE. It starts on Sunday night when he wins the WWE title. Whenever that happens... It's going to be all on Cody Rhodes, and I'm going to love every bit of it. Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes in the main event on Sunday, given the freedom and given the leeway. I'm not going to go out there and compare this to Foley and The Undertaker. I'm not going to go out there and compare it to anything else that we loved inside Hell in a Cell. Mankind and Triple H and all the other Hell in a Cell matches that we have have witnessed. Sasha and Becky was great. The Usos in the New Day was fantastic. And everything in between. If WWE gives these guys the freedom to go in there, we could potentially have the next classic in the string of Hell in a Cell matches right now where the concept in the match is dead as could be. The concept is ice cold. The match hasn't delivered in God knows how long. It's got to be going on a decade, probably a decade plus. There hasn't been one fucking Hell in a Cell match outside Sasha Banks and Bayley that really captivated me in recent memory. Maybe the New Day and Usos. I don't remember when that happened. Somebody in the chat let me know. But the New Day and Usos, man, inside Hell in a Cell, fucking great. Absolutely great. Warranted Hell in a Cell. Uh, Sasha and uh, and Becky. Sasha and Bailey was good, too, but I don't think that was really uh, necessary to kick off their feud. But if WWE gives Cody and Seth the freedom to do what they need to do, they may be looking at one of the best Hell in a Cell matches of all time. And for the love of fucking God, I know we're going to get it, and I, I know it's like me speaking to a brick wall you got to get rid of the, the, the red cell. you got to get rid of the red cell. And you got to give me blood. If Cody Rhodes is not bleeding on Sunday night, something is seriously fucked up. Something is seriously wrong. So that's what I hope for on Sunday night. It could potentially be one of the best Hell in a Cell matches in WWE history if they just let them go. Edge and Seth Rollins was great too. That was great at uh, the last Saudi show in November, man, or October. That was great. So we will see what happens on Sunday. I think it's going to be a barn burner of a match, and it will definitely make the entire show. That show right now has nothing going for it but that match. That is a make-or-break situation there on whether the pay-per-view is a success or it's a complete failure. Alexa Bliss went one-on-one with Doe Drop. Four minutes here. 
Yes, I know you're th thrilled about Dodrop and Alexa Bliss. All the fucking stands out there uh, wetting their fucking pants because, oh, look. Look, Dodrop and Alexa Bliss back together. Oh, man. This is so great. You know, all the fucking drones and the stands on social media fucking collectively uh, crying over uh, tears of joy that Dodrop and Alexa Bliss have a match on Monday Night Raw. Bliss defeated Dodrop here in four minutes, three minutes. Bliss avoided a splash, kicked Nikki off the apron, landed Twisted Bliss for the win. That was pretty much it, man. Uh, if you expect me to go over a uh, match that consists of Alexa Bliss and her absolutely putrid wrestling ability, uh, you have another thing coming, man. Twisted Bliss, Alexa Bliss seems to be on a string of momentum, a string of wins. So we could be looking at Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss going into the title picture sometime this summer. God help our souls. And still, don't drop with Nikki Ash. Nikki Ash is still out there with the fucking costume. And I thought that we were going to start shedding that costume. It seemingly looks like WWE has dropped the angle with Dodrop and Nikki Ash, and they just decided to say, fuck it, but let's keep them as a tag team because if we don't have them as a tag team, then we make Sasha Banks and uh, Naomi look every bit as right. So WWE simply, I would not be shocked by this, WWE keeping Nikki Ash and Dodrop together to prove that Sasha Banks and Naomi are wrong. Otherwise, what's the point of them being together? You drop the angle. You drop the whole shtick. I don't know if Dodrop, we haven't seen anything of Dodrop mentioning Nikki Ash. You got to get rid of that. Stop playing games. Stop dressing in fucking children's costumes. We, we saw that how many weeks ago? Four weeks ago? Five weeks ago? And WWE hasn't mentioned one fucking thing about Nikki Ash dropping the act. Dropping the superhero act. Nobody gives a shit. It's fucking ridiculous. Clip of Lacey Evans. Clip of Lacey Evans was shown signaling the start of the NASCAR race over the weekend. She, I guess, waved the checkered flag, and that's all we got of Lacey Evans. WWE last week advertised Lacey Evans for her in-ring debut, but WWE wants to come on air and claim that Sasha Banks and Naomi are unprofessional. Meanwhile, WWE is here doing the same exact thing that they're blaming Sasha Banks and Naomi for. Great. This is why nobody takes WWE seriously and why... When people say that there are two sides to the story, two sides to every story, I, I told you for weeks now, there is no side to WWE's story. The only side to the story is Sasha Banks and Naomi because WWE are a bunch of fucking corporate fuckheads. Nobody gives a fuck what WWE thinks. They're always in the wrong, but they will have no other way, and they want to make sure that you know that they're right. Meanwhile, that we, uh, we all watch what they, they did, and we know that they're wrong. Miss TV. Ms. TV, clearly WWE was strapped for time here and they had nothing else to put on the show, so they gave us another fucking god-awful Ms. TV segment with the Street Profits who came out pretending to be hype men about money in the bank. I don't know why. That's what they got, man. WWE merged the tag team divisions and merged the tag team titles to make the Street Profits car salesmen for uh, the Hell in a Cell paper. I said Money in the Bank. Who gives it? Probably, they'll probably do the same thing for Money in the Bank, too. They made them fucking cheap car salesmen for Hell in a Cell. Awful. I'd rather see Miz do Miz TV than watch him wrestle, man. What a fucking putrid professional wrestler is the Miz, man. He was never like that. He was never like that. He was a lot better uh, even five, six years ago, man. He is deteriorated into just complete and utter trash. 
in the ring. So if you're asking me whether or not I want to see Miz in the ring wrestling or Miz in the ring doing mid-TV, uh, I would much rather see him do mid-TV. He plugged a new season of Miz and Mrs. Street Profits came out and interrupted him. They joined Miz in the ring and took over the segment. They plugged uh, the Hell in a Cell matches and noted that Miz lost to Cody. They then apologized for their manners. Montez Ford says they keep asking questions of the Miz but haven't let him talk. Ford asks what he thinks about the Hell in a Cell matches this Sunday. Miz said, thank you. Here's what I think. They yanked the mic away and said, it doesn't matter what you think. So they're out there now imitating the rock. By the way, with the rock reference here, it doesn't matter what you think. Very bizarre situation, man. WWE changed Simone Johnson, the rock's daughter, who is a trainee at the Performance Center. Very bizarre situation, man. I I was scrolling on Twitter. And I know that WWE changed her name. WWE changed Simone Johnson's name in WWE to Ava Rain. So I see a tweet from Ava Rain. And when you go on Twitter and you see a tweet, but you can't really actually see the tweet, you see the name of the person who tweeted it with a link. I go to click it and it says this tweet is unable to be viewed. So obviously I go into incognito mode and I see who the fuck it is. And lo and behold, it's Ava Rain, Simone Johnson, The Rock's daughter. And I find out that she blocked me on social media. How long this has been a thing, I don't know. Maybe she listens to the show. I never once mentioned Simone Johnson at all in any way, shape, or form on any of the shows that I've done. Quite frankly, I don't know why anybody on that side would be upset with me. She hasn't even made fucking TV. But then Kevin Castle, my buddy Kevin Castle, told me that she's very good friends with Alexa Bliss, and it probably stems from the Alexa Bliss situation. Go figure. Everybody is soft. Still talking about the same shit now that that shit has been swept under the rug for all these fucking years. Still crying about it. And she blocked me on social media. Maybe she's just uh, preparing herself to be on TV when she gets to TV. She doesn't have to see my fucking tweets about how terrible she is, man. Just like everybody else on NXT 2.0. Moving on. She blocked me before she was even a thing. R.C. Dotson, yes. Yes, she did. I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe they, get, maybe they really do have my fucking picture somewhere plastered in the back. Public enemy number one. Do not allow this man anywhere near the, the, the arena or the venue. Anyway, they're out there doing the Rock Street Profits. It doesn't matter what you think. Miz held up his arm. Do you know what this means, Miz said. And the Prophet said it along with him to mock him. When my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. All of a sudden, Dana Brooke and Akira Tozawa ran to ringside and ran into the ring. Don't know why we are still doing the 24-7 title segments. I said, every time we see a 24-7 title segment on Monday Night Raw, I'm not even going to bother doing it because it is so fucking irrelevant that it is a complete waste of time. And if I save five minutes on the post show, it is probably better for everybody. But the reason I'm mentioning it here now is to give you a glimpse into Nick Khan's budget cut list whenever WWE decides to have mass releases once again. Akira Tozawa then rolled Dana Brooke up for a near fall. T-Bar, Dominic Dijakovic, T-Bar, ran out and sit out, choke slammed Tozawa. So now T-Bar, Dominic Dijakovic, somehow is in the 24-7 title circus. That's not all. 
That's not all. Apparently, catering was a big deal for the 24-7 title segment tonight. Ford super kicked T-Bar out of the ring and then sat down and watched as R-Truth and Apollo Crews fought in the middle of the ring as Dana Brooke battled Tamina in the corner all over the 24-7 title. Tamina then gave Brooke a Samoan drop and pinned her to become the 24-7 champion. She then kissed Tozawa, who was thrilled. Tozawa then used the backslide to take the 24-7 title back from Tamina. He ran to the back as Tamina stared at him down from ringside. So, all of the talk about Dominic Dijakovic possibly being inserted into the Judgment Day alongside Edge and Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley. Apparently, all of that talk, no matter how great it sounds and how great it would be for him because he's fucking great and he's talented and he could use a complete restart and a refresh for whatever the fuck he's doing, instead of talking about that and applying him to that group, WWE feels that it's best to use him, and this is the best use of his ability, to use Dominic Dijakovic in the 24-7 title segment and have him in this circus of fucking catering geeks backstage. Whoever mentioned, me included, whoever mentioned Dominic Dijakovic potentially being in Judgment Day and you wanting to see that happen, what you watched tonight with him in this segment was WWE wiping that idea from existence. Dominic Dijakovic, because he was in this segment, will not be added to Judgment Day. So that's that. You guys can take that, crumble it up, and throw it away, throw it in the trash, stop thinking it, stop fantasizing about it, stop asking for it, stop creatively booking how things should be on Monday night. It's not going to happen. WWE put him in this situation and basically told you, fuck off, we're not doing that. And what this segment also did is seal his fate. He will be gone by the summer. By the middle of the summer, whenever WWE wants to release... Dominic Dijakovic will be a part of those releases, and it sucks to be him. It sucks to be him because he's a great talent. Triple H used him great. He had a great run in NXT. He was about to have a great run in NXT. Then they got pulled. Him and Keith Lee got pulled. Awful. They put him in a fucking mask. They put him in retribution. He's dead. He's done. He's done. Apollo Crews, same thing. You can just apply to watching these shows, apply to the list that Nick Khan is going to be reading off of when that doomsday happens. Apollo Crews, Dominic Dijakovic, Shotzi Blackheart, Aaliyah, Zia Lee, Drew Gulak, and everybody else that you may think is getting released, those names will be on the list on the list for Nick Khan. I'm telling you right now. I don't like to doom anybody's fate. I don't like to talk about someone potentially getting released. But Jesus fucking Christ, man, how you got someone like Dominic Dijakovic in the 24-7 title segment, just goes to show you that you do not appreciate anybody. What a disgrace. A joke. Mustafa Ali versus Tommaso Ciampa. WWE gave Tommaso Ciampa any sort of effort creatively. They'd have one of the best fucking things on the entire show in Tommaso Ciampa. If Ali wins this match... He gets a United States Championship match against Theory 
at a future show. WWE gave Ali an entrance. Tommaso Ciampa was already in the ring, got zero for a ring entrance. Tommaso Ciampa was called up from NXT after stand and deliver. He put over Tony D'Angelo. He got the NXT treatment. He got the hug from Triple H. Very tearjerker moment at stand and deliver. They called him up a couple weeks after that. He showed up on Monday Night Raw. And I'm like, all right, Tommaso Ciampa. They cut his name. Fine. As long as he's Ciampa or some semblance of Ciampa still remains. Fine. WWE has already devalued Tommaso Ciampa in, in about a month's time to the point where he's got no entrance on the show. WWE thinks so little of Tommaso Ciampa on a three-hour show that included a fucking Miz TV with a 24-7 title segment that should have never even been written. Somehow, somebody wrote that on a piece of paper and presented it to Vince McMahon as good enough to be on pro wrestling television on Monday night. You did that and all that, but you can't give Tommaso fucking Champa a goddamn ring entrance. This guy gave you the best years of his entire fucking career. You guys had the best fucking heel in the fucking sport in your grasp in Tommaso Ciampa, the greatest NXT champion of all time. And this is what you do to Tommaso Ciampa in one month's time on the main roster. Not even worth a fucking ring entrance. It's unbelievable. Match went four minutes. There was nothing in the match that you care to know or I care to explain to you. Nothing happened here. Nothing happened here. Ali wins by DQ. Theory was on commentary. He's set to put the United States Championship on the line at a future date. He's on commentary. He disqualifies Tommaso Ciampa, and Ali wins by disqualification. He beats up Ali right there in front of the commentary table, and he gets on microphone and says, let's do this match now. Let's do this match now. You're going to get a future opportunity at my United States Championship. Why wait for a future opportunity? Let's do the match right now. So he throws Ali back in the ring. The referee asks Ali if he wants to fight. Ali could barely stand. He said yes. And it looked like and sounded like a CM Punk chant broke out. I thought I heard a CM Punk chant. I don't know about you guys, but I heard a CM Punk chant. So Ali wins by DQ. Tommaso Ciampa looks like a fucking schmuck. No entrance, he loses, basically used to further the burial of Mustafa Ali. And we get a United States Championship match impromptu with Theory and Ali. Theory, in under two minutes, beats Ali to retain the United States Championship. Uh, Ali he made a comeback, sort of, with a DDT. He then climbed to the top rope. Theory knocked him off, delivered the ATL, and that is it. Theory wins in two minutes. Theory celebrated. Adam Pierce comes walking out and said that he should check his text messages. Mr. McMahon was impressed with Theory's psychological talent, uh, tactics on Ali, but he wants to see him prove himself in a fair fight on Sunday. Vince McMahon fair? I don't know about all that, man. I don't know about all that. In a fair fight Sunday at Hell in a Cell, and we are getting Ali versus Theory for the United States Championship at Hell in a Cell. 
Still waiting on those plans for Ali, man. All the check marks said that the WWS plans for Ali, for uh, Ali on Monday Night Raw. The only plan for Ali was to embarrass and bury Ali. Ali is not winning the United States Championship. Austin Theory is the chosen one from WWE, handpicked by Vince McMahon. If you think he's losing the United States Championship, man, I don't know what to tell you. Now, there's a possibility he could lose, and then WWE makes us all look fucking stupid, which would not be the first time they did that. They they would WWE are the type of people where, you know, everybody thinks Theory's going to win, and, you know, they watch podcasts like me, and they hear me say, oh, there's no way that Ali's winning the title. WWE are the type of company that would give Ali the title just to make everybody look like a bunch of fucking geeks. So I don't even want to say that Ali's got no chance. But the way that they treated Ali, man, it just reeks of ha, ha, ha. You wanted to take your ball and go home. You stuck it out and hoped that you'd come back and we'd use you. We are using you, but we're making you look like a fucking loser. It's exactly what they're doing with Ali, said. Said. I'm going with Austin Theory. There's no way that Ali's winning that championship. There's no way. They just gave Theory the title, man. He hasn't even defended the fucking title against anybody. He hasn't had a proper feud with the United States Championship. Why would they have him lose the title to fucking poor old Mustafa Ali, who probably has Nick Khan and his shadow looming over him on release day? Moving on. The Usos. The Usos are on Monday Night Raw. They are Monday Night Raw Tag Team Champions. They are SmackDown Tag Team Champions as well. They got a reason to be here. They got a reason to be here. Shinsuke Nakamura, though, he's a SmackDown superstar. Why is he on Monday Night Raw? No explanation was given as to why Shinsuke Nakamura was on Monday Night Raw. There is a bland, uh, bland. There's a bland split. There is a brand split. In effect, WWE seemingly doesn't abide by the rules nor do they care to fill us in on the ever-so-important question of why. I don't know. WWE just does, and they feel like you don't deserve an answer. The Usos versus Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura, we have a championship contenders match. Great. Another match where the champions have to lose to get the challengers a title shot, man. The logic, man, the logic. It is so fucking brilliant of WWE, man. I don't know how anybody could sit here and be negative about the company. Your titles mean nothing. They are nothing more than fucking paperweights, man. Jesus fucking Christ, give me the fucking title. You want to know what the title's worth? Give me the fucking title, man. I'll sit on the fucking beach with my cold beverage in the fucking sand on my fucking beach towel, and I'll use the fucking title as a paperweight, as a fucking blanket weight, so my fucking towel doesn't get blown away in the goddamn wind. That's the value of the WWE titles that we see on television. I don't get it. That's the theme of tonight's show. I don't get it. Crowd was half dead for this match. Why was the crowd half dead, JD? Well, let me tell you, my fellow geek out there. You may be new, you may be old. You may be an OG, you may be a newbie here in the chat. Let me tell you something as to why the crowd was fucking dead for this match. What was the point of WWE unifying the tag team championships if this is going to be the end result? Does anybody have an answer to that? WWE has no business in the business of tag team wrestling. Zero. 
What was the point of WWE unifying the tag team championships if you were only going to give me another feud that consists of the same fucking feud that we've been getting for the last two and a half, half months with RK Bro and the Bloodline? What was the point of unifying the tag team championships only to give us a feud that you've been giving us for the last two and a half months minus Randy Orton? I don't know how anybody could be excited about that. Do you expect Shinsuke Nakamura to drum up the same excitement as Randy Orton? I know I don't. Do you expect people to fucking care about Shinsuke Nakamura in replace of Randy Orton? Nakamura, I have no problem with. But do you expect people to care about Shinsuke Nakamura taking Randy Orton's place? WWE better have a solid idea for Matt Riddle and Randy Orton individually because RK-Bro, as you see it, is fucking dead. It is over. But WWE's plan to unify the tag team championships, their plan after the titles were unified was to give us the same fucking match that we've been getting for the last two and a half months. I don't know how anybody can sit there and justify the fucking garbage writing on this show. The lack of creativity in this company is downright sickening, man. It is abysmal. How anybody sits for the... And you wonder why Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out of the fucking company, man. Whatever WWE is doing with Naomi, they're doing at a lesser extent to the Usos, man. The creative vision is dead. They know they got it made because they're with Roman Reigns. If they weren't with Roman Reigns and they were by themselves, I could see them also being fucking pissed at the direction of the tag team division and those tag team championships, man. This is the best you got? This is the best you got. I cannot wait to have Matt Riddle go on his own and be a breakout single star. Nakamura has been ice cold for the majority of his WWE run. Now you expect me to care about Nakamura and Matt Riddle because... The, the bloodline hurt Rick Boogs, and they put Rick Boogs on the DL. I, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit enough about a tag team that wasn't really even a fucking tag team to begin with. Shit is so garbage, man. It is so garbage. The only thing that makes sense here is that Riddle and Nakamura, per storyline, have revenge on their mind because the Usos and the bloodline hurt their partners. But that's not enough to make me care. It's not enough to make me care. And the vision for the tag team titles, man, that's not enough to really sell me on the tag team division and you unifying the fucking divisions and you unifying the tag team titles. Does anybody have a creative brain cell in that fucking locker room? Am I the only one that's complaining about this? Maybe I am. Maybe I care too much. But this show is fucking dreadful. So we got Riddle and Nakamura winning by disqualification because typical WWE. They give us a match with a championship contender's tagline behind it, knowing that the Usos just won the unified tag team championships two weeks ago, put them in a match against Riddle and Nakamura, who clearly are getting a tag team championship match at some point. Put them in a match knowing that they can't lose, knowing that you're forced, and the only decision to make is by DQ. So Riddle and Nakamura win by DQ. They get their championship opportunity. Whenever it happens, maybe at Hell in a Cell, I have no fucking idea. 
WWE gives Rilla Nakamura the win via DQ, not pinning the Usos, but giving the Usos a big fat L anyway. An L is an L on paper, no matter how you look at it. The Usos lose in their first match after unifying the tag team championships. All because we have to give Matt Riddle and Randy, uh, Matt Riddle and, uh, not Randy Orton, Matt Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura a fucking future tag team title opportunity. Kevin Patrick, he was backstage with Mustafa Ali. And he asked Ali what it means to finally be given a fair match for the United States Championship. Ali says he's going to make sure it's worth it. He said he's been to hell and back to earn this opportunity. He says he won't stay down. He says he's walking out of Chicago as United States Champion. Theory from behind attacked him and said, highly doubtful. He took a selfie and walked away saying, new champ, my ass. Could not give a shit. WWE had Rhea Ripley make her ring entrance. WWE had Rhea Ripley make her ring entrance. And then WWE threw it to Jimmy Smith to do a Memorial Day video package for the holiday honoring the troops and the veterans on this Memorial Day. So... She comes down the aisle. She waits in the ring. Jimmy Smith is out there with Corey Graves and Byron Saxton talking about Memorial Day. They shoot it to a video package. Morgan entered at 10.15, and both women were in the ring during this video package. She entered at 10.15, and her match began with Rhea Ripley 20 minutes later. I don't understand why... WWE does the shit that they do. At some point during this entire ordeal, I was like, my God, man, I feel for Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. They have to stand in the ring like a bunch of fucking losers. All because WWE can't get their shit straight and they got to send it to a Memorial Day video package. Meanwhile, the two ladies in the ring about to have a match have to sit through commercials and the commentary team and the video package and another commercial And then back from commercial, we finally get their match. Awful. Absolutely awful, man. I I asked myself why, and I don't know. I asked myself why, and I just don't understand. The match itself was fine, man. This was probably the best match that they had one-on-one. Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley. So Rhea Ripley came out. She has new music. Uh, Again, I, I don't know why we need new music for Rhea Ripley. It's almost as if... WWE just does things for the sake of doing things. Why does she need new music? This is my brutality is still said in the beginning of the song, but then we go into some generic fucking metal theme that WWE clearly has no life and no passion uh, in. And for, whoever wrote it, no life, no passion, no soul, no identity at all. Better off just having Ray Ripley come down with the fucking altar bridge theme that Edge comes out to. So Morgan fired up at one point, hitting a flying crossbody. Priest and AJ Styles are out there. They walked out there during a commercial break. After the crossbody, they rolled to the outside. She went for oblivion, but Priest held Ripley's trunks, her pants, and uh, Styles went after him. Morgan kicked out of Ripley's pin attempt and countered a riptide into a cradle for the pin. Decent little match here. Nothing really overly spectacular, but decent little match for both women. After the match, Priest attacks Styles and turns his attention to Morgan. 
Finn Balor ran down and tackled Priest. Styles gave him a phenomenal forearm, and Balor followed with a coup de grace. Morgan wiped out Ripley with a missile dropkick. Styles, Balor, and Morgan stood tall. The next member of Judgment Day is in the team or on the team. The next member of Judgment Day is on the team opposing Judgment Day at Hell in a Cell. My prediction is Finn Balor is the newest member of Judgment Day. WWE wants to keep the group strong. They want to keep the group with the notable name. And Damian Priest goes with Rhea Ripley, goes with Edge. And Finn Balor, I believe, is going to join them and make them a foursome. Dijak is not that guy. Now, I would think Edge has a say in who he wants in Judgment Day, but, you know, it's up to WWE to make the final decision. I think Finn Balor is going to join Judgment Day. There was just something about it tonight that I said, I, I, I guess that Finn Balor is going to be in Judgment Day, and that's my, that's my opinion going into the pay-per-view. I just think Finn is going to be the newest member of Judgment Day after the match is over. It's going to cost them the match. Contract signing, Bobby Lashley and Omos with MVP. This was legitimately the go-home show of Hell in a Cell, and this is what WWE decided to end the show on. I don't know who the fuck put this show together. Clearly, they were at a barbecue somewhere and came to work drunk because I don't know how you don't end the show with what Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes did, but you end the show with fucking Bobby Lashley and Omos, man. Why? Again, I just don't get it. I don't get it. The main event was a contract signing that began with six minutes left in the show. Typical WWE, as always, man. So Bobby Lashley, Omos, and MVP, they're all sitting around signing this contract. It's a two-on-one handicap match, as as if anybody fucking cares about this match at Hell in a Cell. Adam Pearce presided over the contract signing middle of the ring. MVP says he's given Lashley so much. He said Sunday there won't be any weak cages where he can win by accident. He said he and Omos are going to put a beating on him so the almighty era only exists because of MVP. And he'll put an end to it once and for all. He signed the contract. Lashley said that's a wonderful little story. He got it all wrong, though, because he never needed MVP. He said just let him latch onto him, or he just let him latch onto him to stay relevant. MVP cut him off and yelled that he just should sign the contract. Lashley said it's sad because he considered MVP a friend. He said MVP considered him a brother. Lashley said Sunday is his opportunity to send both of their asses straight to hell. As Pierce began to end the segment, MVP said, uh, this is not done until he says it's done. He told Omos to get started tonight. So Lashley stood up. Pierce asked both of them to take it easy. Lashley threw the desk over the top rope that they were sitting at. Security ran in. Omos tossed them out of the ring and slammed the desk chairs over the top rope and out to the floor. Cedric Alexander attacked Lashley from behind. Lashley fought back and choke slammed him. But another guy who's going to get released, Cedric Alexander, actually fucking nothing more than a jobber here. So he attacked Lashley from behind. Lashley fought back and choke slammed him. But that opened up Omos to give him a big boot. MVP then mounted Omos and pounded away at him. And uh, Omos, or Lashley, I should say, MVP mounted Lashley and, and went away and started hitting him uh, with some ground and pound. Omos slid a table into the ring and then leaned it into the corner. Omos then lifted Lashley. Lashley slipped free and speared Omos through the table. Lashley's music played, and the show went off the air. Monday Night Raw was a complete and utter waste of time. This did nothing to sell you on any of the other matches outside of Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins 
inside Hell in a Cell. Make sure you guys go and check out my sponsor for today's show, man, Audible. If you guys want something for free, you can definitely go and check that out, man. AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. Make sure you guys use that affiliate link. 30 days free of their service and one free audiobook of your choice, man. That is AudibleTrial.com slash scripts. They got over 230,000 books on their service that you can choose one for free, man. A lot of wrestling-related content on there. And the best part is you guys can sign up and cancel in that 30-day grace period if you feel Audible is not for you. Once again, audibletrial.com slash scripts. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. We need 150 likes for 1,000 tonight on the OTS Post Show. Right here for the Monday Night Raw review, man. So if you guys have not hit that thumbs up and are still in the chat, please hit that thumbs up. It helps out the video tremendously. 1,000 likes is the minimum tonight's show man also new memberships man get them on in hit that join button become a vip right here on ots and make sure you guys hit that subscribe button turn on that bell for notifications man we'll be here all week with some brand new content as usual from the ots venue and as always guys go get your t-shirts man go get your t-shirts we got the dawn of the iwc now available on bonfire.com exclusively on Bonfire.com. That is the home of Off the Scripts and all your OTS merchandise. We're going to start at the top with the Super Chats, man. Tony Brown with a four ninety nine Super Chat. I could watch Bianca forever, he says. Bianca's really good, man. I'm a fan of Bianca Belair. Not a fan of her booking, but a fan of Bianca Belair. Tony Brown also with another four ninety nine. He's got a question for me. JD, best booty, Sasha, Naomi, or Bianca? Everybody's got their tastes. Some of you like Naomi, some of you like Bianca. My answer to that question out of all three is Sasha Banks. Michelle Moran with $2 Super Chat. Not even Seth and Cody could save Raw tonight. Nothing, nothing could save Raw on Memorial Day tonight. Benoit's ghost. 199 Super Chat. Thoughts on Smartbusters and Wrestling Jesus. Who gives a shit? Johnny Angel. 199 Super Chat. You're amazing, man. Love you. Thank you, Johnny Angel. Thank you, Johnny Angel. Appreciate you, bro. Jeremy Harris with a $5 Super Chat. What's up, JD? I'm really happy Ember Moon's joining AEW. Her talents will finally be appreciated. It was posted on Twitter. I just hope... It's true. Cheers. Sasha Banks is skinny. Sasha Banks is the perfect type of skinny, man. What the fuck are you talking about? She's not like a stick figure or anything. Sasha Banks, no question. Again, everybody's got their own tastes. I'm not going to fault anybody for choosing Bianca Belair or Naomi. I mean, come on. Isaiah. And yes, uh, Ember Moon is Legit AEW, man. Jeremy Harris, it is official. Yes, it's true. Ember Moon is all elite. Athena Palmer is all elite. Isaiah with a $5 super chat. Sorry you suffered through Raw on Memorial Day, JD. Yeah, so am I. I am very sorry that I had to sit here and watch Monday Night Raw, man. I've had some twisted tees during Raw, so I didn't pay much attention. By the way, what the fuck was Becky Lynch wearing? I don't know, man. Again, I just don't know. That's the theme of tonight's show, man. I just don't know. 
There is no wrong answer. Yes, a man of a thousand five holes. He's got it right, man. There's no wrong answer there. Listen, bro. If you want me to be perfectly honest with you, I'm a Tony Storm guy. So just based off that, you see where my preference lies, man. Okay? But if you're asking me, out of the three, I'm going Sasha. Uh, JP5150 with a $10 super chat. The moment I saw Becky Lynch, who looks like what would happen if a mirror was on Crystal Meth start raw tonight, it made me glad I spent my day at the Atlantic City Beach enjoying some sun and Allagash triple. JP, I'm going to be in Atlantic City on Thursday night, man. I'm going to be in Atlantic City on Thursday night. I'm going to get myself ready for the Atlantic City Beer Fest on Saturday afternoon, man. I can't wait. Big Stace with a two-month membership. Watch Raw to get my mind off. Getting kicked out of my apartment, it made me more depressed. Uh, Big Stace, two-month membership, bro. Uh, Listen, we're here for you. I don't know why you got kicked out of your apartment. I hope all is well there. I hope that gets rectified soon. Did you get into a verbal argument with somebody? Did you uh, get evicted? What, What happened? Did you get into a fight with a significant other, man? What happened? Kelly with a new membership. Kelly, I thought you were a member in the OTS VIP club. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that this is your initial membership, Kelly. I don't know. What are you drinking? Johnny Angel with the one I did not see with Jack. Can you do a Raquel? <laughs> Smiley Raquel! <laughs> Reginald Brackett with an eighth month, eight eight month membership, man. Thank you for everything you do for the IWC and all of us in the great OTS community you have built. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, brother. We got somebody being a member for nine months, but he retracted his message, man. I wonder who that is. Who is that? The Undertaker. Since the free Super Chat got it wrong, I shall say here, I am now 9-0. Thanks for all the hard work you put in, brother. OTS for life. Thank you, Undertaker. 9-0, brother. I guess that was you with the Super Chat. Hologram with a $5 Super Chat. Undertaker, what are you drinking, brother? Hologram with a five dollar super chat. Vince and Bruce back in the late 1800s when they were both in their 40s licked all the stamps and the glue from the backs of them and it made them insane. Yes, yes. You see, this is, uh, I, I see, this is, so you guys, you guys know where, where I'm trending, man. I, I, listen. Okay. I'm a Tony Storm guy, okay? You see, based off that, where my preferences lie, okay? If I was to choose somebody else, as far as Tony Brown is concerned, I'm going Sasha. I'm going Liv. Liv Morgan is the type of, I guess, female, height-wise, asset-wise, that I find to be attractive. That's my taste preference, okay? Okay. Tony Brown obviously likes the jades, and he has no 
No filter on the booty meat, man. He'll he'll take it. He'll take it all. He'll take it. Yes, but Liv Morgan, yes, absolutely. She should be she should be in the discussion for Tony Brown's booty meat. Yes. There you go. Uh, hologram. Don't tell me you collect stamps, bro. I don't want to hear you collect stamps. Vince and Bruce, yes, they do collect stamps. Uh, Captain Solo with a $3 super chat. Oscar is pure cringe now. Terrible writing. Yes. R.C. Dotson and Matt Barrow. Become new members, man. Thank you so much. What are you guys drinking tonight? Danny Baker with a $10 super chat. What's up, J.D.? Thanks for the review, even though Raw sucks. But I can understand Kevin Owens' frustration. Ezekiel does look like Elias. Laughing my ass off. Anyways, have a good one. You guys are now talking nothing but booty meat, man, in the chat. It's become a, a booty meat bonanza in the chat. And yes, Sky Blue, Sky Blue is, is quality booty meat, yes. No doubt about it. Uh, Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super Chat. I'm a new member. Live Blueberry Ale, please. Do we have that on the menu? I don't think that's on the menu. Yeah, yes, it is. Yes. Live's Garden State Blueberry, man. Yeah, there you go. I forgot that was even on the menu. That's a good one, bro. Thank you, Bradley. Munchie Time with a 15-month membership, man. I'll take a screwball on the rocks. Keep up the great work, JD. You are an absolute boss. Cheers. Thank you, Munchie Time. As always, man, 15 months, man. Thank you for the re-up, and thank you for being in the VIP club for 15 months, man. Holy shit. Sooner you, sooner rather than later, man, you're going to get that uh, that gold microphone, brother. Joseph King with a five-month membership. Switchblade Jay White could potentially go into the Forbidden Door as the IWGP World Champion after he hopefully beats Okada on June 12th. That would be interesting. That would open up Punk for uh, Okada and him beating Okada. I like that. Then who who, who gets Jay White at the pay-per-view? Who gets Jay White at the pay-per-view, man? Donzel, Thunder Rosa has top three booty meat, bro. No doubt about it. Um, Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know... Um. I didn't know uh, Okada and Switchblade were, ha- were having a title match on June 12th. That that changed the that changes the whole dynamic of the show, man. Seriously. CM Punk and Okada. I'd love to see, man. Listen, if we don't get Okada and Punk, man, we'll, I, I hope to God we get Okada and and Brian Danielson. I, I hope to God we get that, man. I, I would love to see that. Seriously. The matchups that you could make with the Forbidden Door rosters, man. The New Japan rosters and the AW rosters. It is fucking endless. It's crazy, man. You can put anybody in there or Brian. It's going to be a fucking match with your candidate. It doesn't matter who it is. Tanahashi, Okada, Switchblade, Osprey, Zack Sabre Jr. Doesn't matter, man. Joseph King, thank you for the five months, man, and thank you to all my new members. Thank you for all the re-ups. And thank you guys for tuning in to this Monday Night Raw post-show, man. Number one in the community again! But I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised by that at all. Yo, Jesse! 
Jesse, I'm getting out of here, bro. Uh, listen, what was with those buffalo wings on Twitter, bro? They look good, man. What type of flavor were those, man? Uh, teriyaki? Mild? Hot? Parmesan? Garlic? Parmesan? What, what type of flavor were those, man? They look good, bro. Listen, as long as it wasn't your garbage tacos, man, I could deal with it. I could deal with it, man. Save me some of those wings for tomorrow, man. We got a busy day, all right? I'll talk to you later. This fucking guy. This fucking guy, man. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys very much, man. Monday Night Raw was awful as always, but uh, if you're looking towards anybody breaking the shit down, nobody does it better than me, man. And that's not me tooting my own horn. That's just me being honest. I don't see anybody breaking Monday Night Raw down the way I do it, man. Maybe my, maybe my boy BC, but that's about it. Everybody else, man, they let shit fly and they just sweep shit under the rug and they don't want to ruffle the feathers of their audience, man. You hate to see it. Anyway, guys, hit that thumbs up. Man, we need 60 likes for 1,000. I don't know why we haven't gotten 1,000. 60 fucking likes, man. Why, why? I'm driving away, man. You can't give me 60 likes while I'm driving away? Fuck is wrong with you guys, man? 60 likes for a thousand. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the memberships. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe and go check out off the script yesterday, man. Talking about the MJF situation. Go and check out the Double or Nothing post show, man. Live. Jesse and I were live till four o'clock in the morning, man. Go and check that shit out. And I will see you guys back tomorrow night, man. Maybe we do some WW2K22 on the channel after NXT. You guys seem to enjoy that last week. We may run it back and do it again on Tuesday night. Guys, I'm getting out of here, man. I'm going to take a hot shower and play some Destiny, man. We got some Iron Banner coming to Destiny 2 tomorrow. I got to get myself ready. I need two things from you guys. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. Mustang emojis for my VIPs if you got them. And I need that fucking music on max, guys. I'll see you tomorrow night for more content right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.